Hello and welcome to Drop the Ball. We are here. We are back. No Oliver, just Jackson, just Matt. Do we have to mention it at this point? I don't know. It's 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 Jackson and Matt. Maybe we'll have guest Oliver every so often in the future. Yeah, well uh we're fresh into a debate, so I feel like we should just start it with that. We'll hop on. We'll start with the coffin corner. There's not much to talk about with the Chiefs. Yeah, but and then we'll get into some fun stuff at the end of the episode. But yeah, we're talking about this play that happened literally tonight. The the Royals beat the Padres five to four, but there was a play that happened that led to runs being on the board from Brady Singer. That one dropped ball, a drop the ball, perhaps a dropped ball. Yeah, literally. So led to two. Jackson said four runs. It was two runs, well, two in, runs that in that inning. inning. In that inning. And yeah. so you, the rest, you can't blame on you it. You can't but, necessarily blame on it. But, but here's the thing. We were talking about this ball that was hit into the foul, into foul territory, uh, and Michael Garcia was going after it because they were on a shifted-ish infield to where Michael Garcia playing third base was headed towards this ball in the out in left field foul territory, and Edward Olivares was coming on. Yes, I'm sure. I don't know if you've seen this. Just look it up if you haven't. But the ball dropped in the in between the two of them. And so Jackson and I are having the discussion of whose ball it should have been. It should have 100% been Edward Oliveris's. I'm not we're not saying 110%. It was a catchable I, ball. What but the thing that I that we're having an argument about semi. We're having a little bit of therapy here. We're just group therapy, couples therapy about how you can't not blame Michael Garcia. Like you said that Markel Garcia is blameless. Yes. Like it's you can't blame that on him at all. Yes. I don't think that he's the one to blame. I think it's Edward Oliveris. But there's there's no guarantee. You, here's the thing: you can't you can't just un you can't say that Michael Garcia is absolutely not related to this issue at all. At the end of the day. My main point is that there's no with with how difficult of a catch that was going to be for him. There's no guarantee he catches that, even if he doesn't pull up to let Oliveras make that play. But something that you had said before that you had said before we started recording, before we started the episode, was that it's always the outfielder's ball. Yes, it is. Yes. But you said, oh, he he must have heard Oliveras be- behind him. It was like, oh, I need to back or saw off. Saw him at the corner of his eye. Well, here's the thing: fucking call the ball off, and then we don't have to mess with this problem. Right. So it's Oliveras's fault. I'm I, I told you he takes most of the blame. But why is Michael Garcia? Well, the ball is seconds from not not seconds, half a second from hitting the ground, still tracking it. I'm not gonna. Then, I'm I am not going to put blame on Michael Garcia for not wanting to run head on into Edward Oliveras to make a catch because Edward Oliveras can't fucking call the ball. I'm not gonna place blame onto one dude for not wanting to run full speed into another dude because he won't call the ball. Not to mention, running we don't full know speed. He wasn't running. He was running. They were both running. And in any athletic situation, they're running full speed. They slowed up for sure. Both the speed alone doesn't matter. I'm not going to place any blame on Michael Garcia for not wanting to run into Edward Oliveras. Not to mention, we don't know the the dynamics of these players. For all we know, Michael Garcia and Edward Oliveras have had issues with running into each other before. So be it practice or game situations, right? And maybe Michael Garcia knows he's not good enough to call this ball. I don't trust him to call this ball and not try to go for. Okay, the catch. so then why aren't you fucking catching it when and like when you when you're saying oh he must have heard him behind him? Then why aren't you just stepping out of the way and catching the ball? 
That like that's my thing. As I'm like, Are you, about you can't, Garcia? Yeah, if you think that Eduardo Olivares is so bad in the in the outfield that you need to be over there to protect him from that or to help him on that. Okay, well then call him off. An infielder and say does you're not call it. an infielder does not call off on that. I ball. don't care. If you're over there, if you are over there and it, you are in that literal vicinity and you think you have it and it's foul foul territory, call that. the ball off. But he didn't think he had that. You don't call you do not call ball unless you have ball. And Michael Garcia was making an over the shoulder running backwards basket catch. There is never a situation. It's not where a basket catch. It was it was literally just it was it was above his head and it was at an angle. Sorry, but he it was, was not a basket. backwards and trying to catch a ball that was on his glove side already over his shoulder. Matthew, there is no situation where that ball is 100% guaranteed to catch for the infielder there. When did I say it was? When did I say it was 100%? And I'm telling you that unless it is 100% a catch, you don't call ball. That is how you're taught. That is fundamental stuff. You do not call ball unless you have ball. I, I still... I find it complete bullshit that you're like, oh, he barely. Unless he if was, he would have hurt, he hurt Edward Olivares, and that's why he. That's why he backed off. I'm. And if you're like, I'm not saying just hurt. He, he could have seen him. He too. was at least, at least ten feet away from him. At least ten feet away from him. You realize, if a professional baseball player is ten feet away from someone, and he's running full speed, he is. One step. Edward Alvarez was not running full speed. How is Michael Garcia supposed to know that if he's tracking a ball over his shoulder, the opposite direction of Edward Alvarez? I don't know. But he's not. That is the blame. Is there's no blame on Michael Garcia for dropping, letting a ball drop that he was tracking a hundred plus feet too probably. far. That he was tracking too far. That he shouldn't have been tracking. I'm. You. You can never ever once say that a player shouldn't be tracking a ball. Should Bobby Wood Jr. be over there, then tracking the ball? No. If if he can get there, yes, I'm sure Bobby Wood Jr. absolutely was running after that, running in the direction of that ball and letting the second baseman cover the base. Bobby Wood Jr. I promise he was moving in the direction of that ball, or he was covering third, one of the two. I I think that it's uh, that's so in dumb. In any to me. situation, the infielder's job on a pop up like that is to run at the ball until the outfielder calls him off. Well, it, that is fundamental stuff, and Edward Oliveras just does not know fundamental outfield defense, and that is. Absolutely, one hundred percent baseline, bottom of the bo- bottom of the barrel. The problem, the problem. It's not that he's just bad at it. It's just that he doesn't know fundamental baseball. Whether he refuses to learn it, can't learn it, or just hasn't been taught it. And at the end of the day, all three of those are fundamentally his fault. I I agree with you because and if no one has taught it to be him, having this he should have gone to someone and said, "Teach it to me." And maybe because of that, we shouldn't be having having this conversation. But you saying that Michael Garcia has no fault at all is bullshit i think that's fine we're just gonna agree on disagree on that but as as an infielder i'm never going to say another infielder in that situation is is at fault because i've been in that situation before and like yeah it sucks that it dropped and then it led to runs and thank god that it didn't end up affecting affecting them like the yeah no one will talk about this play except for us because the game's over and but like i mean but it's but you have to think about the butterfly effect right like brady singer was having a great start after having a couple really bad ones you know and, like, he's not going to be that upset over a couple runs if he still gets the win, right? But at the same time, he was in inning five, I think, of shutout baseball. Inning six of shutout baseball, only giving up, like, two or three hits. And, like, yeah. bef- and then and, and he had two outs. So, you make that out. He gets through six full innings of shutout baseball. It was the fifth. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. So regardless, right? Like he, you get that out. You're through five or six full innings of shutout baseball, mm. and 
you get a fresh start the next inning, right? When you when Brady Singer has had problems with momentum. Well, finishing the inning. Right. So because if one small thing yeah. happens, then he and, and blows for, up and into for a proportion. pitcher like that having the issues that he's had the last couple of games, like I I don't want to give up unnecessary runs, even if we're up by five runs. Like even if it doesn't in, inherently affect the the score the the final outcome of the game, we still won, right? We didn't need to score any more than those five runs we scored in the first two innings because we still won the game. Actually, I think they also we scored all of them in the first, maybe. Even it was the second. Was it? Do we score a couple in the second? It was all five in the second. Oh, all five in the second. So five okay. runs second. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like you know, like it's small things, but those are things that can affect the bigger picture outcome. And especially when you're not winning right. that much. And aside from the argument we were having, those are small things that we just need to fix. You know, like like at the end of the day, we are starting to get to a point where we are at least maybe playing 500 baseball over the last like two weeks. We're playing something close. Or redeemable, you know. Except for getting baseball. swept by the Brewers this past right, weekend. yeah, like that sucks. But we also took three of four from the White Sox right before that, you know. Like, at, I mean, literally since the beginning of the White Sox series, maybe even the series before that, we're playing literally five hundred baseball. You know, like yeah, we got swept, but we also took three of four from another team. You know, yeah. So it's 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 not it's not an even five hundred, but it's five hundred. And at the end of the day, if this team the rest of the season plays 500 baseball, the record's going to look like shit, but I'm going to be happy. Their last 10 games, they're still 4 and 6 or 4 4 and 6, yeah. 4 and 6, so one game out of 500. Yeah. So again, I our record will be awful if we play fi- anything at or lower than 500 baseball. Like to to make the record look anything redeemable, we'll have to play 550 baseball, right? But if we play 500, I'm happy with that. Those small things are what keep us there. You know? Like, those small things are what take a team from being just piss poor to at least, like, a product yeah. that people will tune in to watch. And I think that there's one thing that we need to talk about when it comes to the Royals. When we're talking about pitching, because we've seen all these pitchers that come up from this 2018 draft class or just from that past regime and they've just not been good right nobody really has shown any promise except for brady singer and daniel lynch has kind of come back hopefully soon next unsure if we do but uh, here's the thing at least the pitching development program in the lower levels of the system is doing pretty well we have like at least they're starting to develop moderately okay arms and sure you could say that from uh, in 2019 as well, I guess, because they were doing well at the at the low levels. And then when they were brought up in 2020, like, were they ready? Who The case is still out, but no, they probably weren't. I, I'm, and yeah. I, I think that that's the only thing that you can say good about this ba- the baseball team right now is that at least they have fundamentals down in the minor league and on the farm system side to where they are doing things right from a – production standpoint so everybody can get better if you're talking about like the system then yeah i think i I think i don't think that's the only good thing you could say about the team as a whole though um the offense the last two weeks has been great um it's been above average frankly um they still need they still need a lot of we've had an up 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 and downs and frankly i'm never going to be consistently happy until 
until Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ Melendez at least vaguely figure it out, you know? Like, we knew Salvador Perez could hit, so, like, him hitting around 300 is awesome, but it's not, like, enough to keep me happy. Vinny Pasquantino's a bit of a downswing, and we knew he could hit, so I want to see more there. Hey, he recently just got out of a... I think it was Monday night he got out of, like, an 0 for 18 yeah. stretch. So, I mean... Yeah. I mean... Young guys, and I get it, and I'm not pushing for them to be good immediately, but I'm not going to be super happy with the offense as a whole until I see, like, Matt Duffy playing more games. And I see Bobby Wood Jr. kind of start to get his... When does he not have an RBI, dude? Like, he's... (laughs) It seems like every game he plays in, which is way fewer than it should be, the dude's got three hits or an RBI or a run scored. Like... I mean, not to mention he plays plus defense at third base, second base, and probably first. Like, he he is. I mean, and, and I get with Michael Garcia up now. That's gonna that's gonna take away from his third base time. But what's to say? I mean, why can't we put Michael Garcia at second? You know, they have done that. I mean, right. But like, I mean, Matt Duffy can also play second. Like, I, I just hopefully, hopefully, Hunter Dozier. We're just is yeah. I was just gonna say. Hopefully he's almost done being a royal, and that will immediately bump up um, his time on the field. If the Royals really want to win over some fans, when Nicky Lopez gets back from his appendicitis, um, Hunter Dozier's gone, and not like Michael Garcia. You know, I don't think they're gonna do that. I think it's still too early in the season for them to cut bait on Dozier. I think but, it's probably gonna be Nate Eaton that gets sent down. Um, but yeah. also, I don't know because. Then you just run your you run yourself into a situation to where Jackie Bradley Jr.'s defensive outfield has been so good. He's the only plus that, defender in the outfield right now. Yeah, honestly, actually, Nick Prado is easily the best left fielder that we have. MJ Melendez. If he wasn't time, the best first baseman, we also have. right. MJ defensively. Mel- yeah, MJ Melendez. Unfortunately, every time I go, there's some really solid progress in the outfield. Um, immediately turns around and. <laughs> does something to prove me wrong um but at least with him i see like improvements you know like at least there are the ups when i see the downs um yeah i think that mj melinda's there's he's just still got to figure a couple he's, things he's out super and he's just athletic. not comfortable yet. he's super athletic and like he's got a great arm i trust him of all the guys that i see struggling in the outfield to figure it out it's just a matter of of getting innings and feeling comfortable um, and to be completely honest with you, and I, it seems like one of those things where if we keep him around long enough, he's not going to be fully comfortable until, like, by the time he gets fully comfortable, he'll be moving back to catcher. Um, if we keep him that long, right? But um, I don't, mm, I don't think so. I I think in this kind of sets up this avenue that I wanted to talk about, which is Freddie Fermin and the he's great back there. The catching prospects that are potentially going to come up soon right. as well, right? Like whether that be Carter Jensen, who we have been told is more of like a Kyle Schwarberish type, yeah, he probably know, won't end up playing. I don't catcher. know what his defense looks like, but I don't know if it's. But good his bat's so good. His that, bat's great, and he can walk. And and Logan Porter's another one. I yeah. mean, there have been, but they've tried Logan Porter out at a couple of the positions too. I first base primarily. I think he's played a couple, a little bit of second too, which mm-hmm. I don't think he no, will no, ever no, do no, at the no, next no. level. But I feel like I've seen him there. But I I really I don't I'm unsure maybe. Uh, but maybe I, I, there's another guy I think that I get mixed I think, up with. I think here, the easiest thing for, for them to do, if they're just going to try shit out is just move MJ to the right, to right field, move MJ to right field. He's a, he hits the, he hits from power from there. He can just focus on hitting 
if you let him play play the outfield because then he doesn't have to mess with all these different pitchers right. and mess and with all this. Arm, he's and, got the arm for right field. For, I mean, he, well, that's that was the biggest plus in his defensive catching profile was his arm. I mean, um, think of think of all the catchers that came up came up as catchers and turned into something else. I mean, Mike Sweeney's one of them. Yeah, he was a catcher. Mauer. I, I, yeah. Who? Joe Mauer. Yeah. Joe Mauer. But that was w- later has in his always been a catcher. No, he played first later in his career. I, I mean, after Justin Moore, no left. But yeah, he I guess played, he was he was at first for at least like five seasons of his career. Pretty sure. I could be misremembering, mm-hmm. but I feel like he was there for he. I mean, he was an All Star at first. For at least a season, I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. I mean, I was that I'm was sure. I was young enough that I couldn't be mixing those years up. I when I when you're 10 years old, one season feels like five. So I yeah maybe and I yeah anyway, but I yeah but MJ and Wright let him play the outfield, let him focus on hitting, let these catchers come up. I mean, from all intents and purposes, from what we've seen. Everyone has said Freddie Fermin's defense is maybe the best catching defense that this system might has ever produced. Yeah, so no, yeah, he's fantastic he's, at framing. He's yeah. great and he at just, calling the game, and he has been hitting really well. He's shown a lot of discipline as well. So yeah, I, I think I, I don't think it's sustainable. Unfortunately, I haven't really been checking up with his final stats. Um, he walked I mean, twice. He walked twice today. He's still hitting three ten. In let me, it's loading twenty nine at bats. So I mean, um, but I mean, he's got. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> he's got nine hits and three of them are home runs. If he can figure, uh, <laughs> that's hey, if not he can sustainable, just, if he can figure out just a couple things, I'm not saying home runs or anything right, like that, but yeah. he's shown that he can be completely above average. So I think that. Unfortunately for that for this team, if you can play above average, you should be getting. I mean, some at the starts. end of the day, he's a catcher, so if he can if he can bat two eighty for you and get you ten home runs, he's going to be a plus offensive catcher, and he's great defensively. You know, especially if you're trying to do this Tampa Bay Rays build that right. they think they're trying to do, where yeah. with Macquatrero coming from Tampa Bay, they don't really just use. They don't have like a set lineup. They have anybody that comes in and out, and literally everybody's successful. So, especially if you can get that with Freddie Fermin, it's a good choice. Well, and we've talked a lot on this podcast about how I believe that like the next step of baseball is being is is kind of a Moneyball esque approach to establishing a lineup, almost where you're not inherently like you're trying to put out the cheapest lineup based on inherent value, but you can spread the value around the field based on your strengths, right? So, like, I don't need a catcher who is capable of hitting 25 home runs if I've got a shortstop that is, you know? And I don't need a third baseman that's capable of hitting 25 home runs if I've got a center fielder or a short or a second baseman that, that is, you know? And, like, the Royals have a couple guys in their system that are capable of being a second baseman or shortstop that can hit 25-plus home runs. I mean, as long as they have Salvador Perez, there's almost always an immediate threat to hit 30-plus bombs. Vinny Pasutino is almost always going to be a threat to hit 30-plus bombs, mm-hmm. you know? Edward Oliveras might almost always be a threat if he can stay healthy and get, to, get consistent at the plate, be a threat to hit 25-plus. Nick Prado could probably be a threat to be, hit 25-plus, 
in a good year. I, I think that they, yeah, they're putting together a good so selection like, of hitters. So it's like, I don't need a catcher that can hit for power for me too much. Like yeah. if Fermin can just maintain a solid average at 280 and maybe get on base at a clip of like 350. I think 280 is generous. I think something like generous, but I think it's possible if he's not trying to hit for power all the time. Like, I mean, if he's only aiming for 10 home runs and he gears that swing towards just hitting some solid doubles, right? Like he could he could hit us ten home runs and probably stay around two eighty if he if he hits his like ceiling you know from the small amount that I've seen him play I haven't kept up with his minor league stats nearly enough to know what he's what he's capable of, capable of from like a long term perspective but that being said if he could give you two eighty two seventy with ten home runs and like a three fifty on base because he'll walk mm. that more than makes up for it with all the other offense we have spread around the diamond and his defensive capabilities. I don't I don't subscribe to the whole, well, he's got to hit like a catcher or he's got to hit like a right fielder or he's got to hit like a third baseman. I don't care if we have if I have a shortstop that hits like a third baseman, you know? I don't care if yeah. I have a first baseman that hits like a catcher or a left fielder that can hit like a catcher. I it's just as long as I have someone who can hit like that position somewhere on the diamond, it doesn't matter to me. And I think that's probably the next step. The Rays are already kind of doing it. They've got um, um, oh, which Lau, Brandon Lau. Is, it, is, it, is he the one that presses it Lau or the one that presses it low? No, he's Lau. Brandon. He's Lau. Lau. Yeah, dude, his second baseman hits forty bombs a year. Forty bombs a year and hits his average is like two thirty. Yeah, two forty ish. Two forty. That is not a second baseman, but it's fine. They can do that, and their third baseman is just this ro- is just this rotation of like three dudes who are gonna hit like. 270 and maybe average 15 home runs between the two the three of them and just ride the hot hand yeah. and just ride the hot hand and who's can play the best defense in any given day it's a little similar to <clears throat> watching um patrick mahomes just slip in any receiver that he wants right to yeah where it's like yeah okay awesome we can if you just have somebody who is above average at this right then they are able to switch in and out and almost in and it that becomes very very hard. No, yeah. But and we'll see what the Royals can do. They are one of the worst teams in baseball. Right. So, but it's the we'll same see. reason the Rays that were, were able to have Kevin Kiermaier out in center field, who for most of his career, maybe not as much this year. I've from I haven't checked in in a while, but for most of his career, he's been a bit of a liability offensively in the outfield. But he's great defensively, and they almost always had corner outfielders that could make up in the aggregate for that for that. Lack of contact. When well, he's so he's so base. damn good in the outfield, right? So, but when you have when you have those other guys on the on the diamond, it doesn't matter as much. And this is this is an argument just, that I'll have with anybody. I I just I don't I don't like when people get stuck into the mindset of like, oh well, he doesn't hit like a guy like a insert position. It, that doesn't matter if you have somebody else that can do it. You know. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that. Um, Real quick on the Kevin Kiermeyer thing, it's the same with Michael A. Taylor. Like I got a lot. I did not like Michael you A. Taylor playing like for Michael the Royals. I didn't like it. I didn't like him playing for the Royals. It's not right. that I didn't like him. No, yeah. It, seriously, Michael A. Taylor on a contender is so I perfect. Say, if he can hit two sixty and if give he can, you like ten home runs yeah. with the defense that he brings, he's worth it. On yeah, on like the on the Astros, he would be oh yeah so good and like and. I'd be inclined to say he'd have a better offensive year if there was just so much. If like, you could stress, yeah, if you could off stick him, him into like the eight like, hole dude, and just, dude, yeah. yeah, you're nine hole. You mess, you stay there, 
and that's do all you're doing. Com- whatever's comfortable. Yeah. Don't push for anything. Yeah, but we're going to uh, – we need to switch out of this Royals talk. I don't know if we can talk about anything, Chiefs. There hasn't been anything that's really come out, but come out except for the schedule. The only thing that I would have to say about the schedule, though, is that uh, if we're talking Chiefs, is for the Arrowhead Chop Talk. Sorry, I have to have to say that. Is that the Chiefs schedule is very backloaded? That is the only problem that I I'd have with it. Rather be backloaded than frontloaded, like it's been in recent years. But um, it's very it's very important that you get off to a really good start, though, because those the end of the season I think goes Bills, Patriots. Uh, Bengals, Chargers, and there's one more team in the middle there that's really good too. The Eagles are right before the Bills, so like that's another thing too. Like your first nine weeks, you got to go like seven and two, six and three, and, and I mean they their their schedule's pretty good at the beginning of the year. I mean they got the Lions, then the Jaguars, who which is a sneaky game. I think that they could they could get trapped there, but they won't over uh, overestimate them. Hopefully, and then they have the Bears, so they have like a a good start to to get on the right track. But uh, for the Chiefs, there really hasn't been, been a lot that's come out, except for Tyree Kill isn't coming back to Kansas City. They're playing the Dolphins Chiefs game in in Germany, which that's kind of ass. But well, because they knew people were gonna watch it. Because of that. You want that storyline? Yeah. So, like, if you're going to play a game in a different place, you want to make sure you have as many eyes on TV yeah, as but possible. It, it becomes, but it doesn't become a home. It doesn't make, it doesn't become Tyreek Hill coming home now. It's right. him just they playing the Chiefs in a different country. They should have done it with, honestly, they could have done it with, like, the like put the Bengals game at a different point in the, in the schedule and done it with the Bengals. Like... You want a guaranteed good game because here's the, here's my biggest gripe with the overseas games. I love I love the idea, the concept, but they're always like trash. They're always though. like it's always like the Vikings versus the Lions, or when the Jaguars were really ass. It was like the Jaguars and the Giants. And yeah, it's like nobody wants. So to it's watch like this. like put the two teams that are like that are guaranteed to play one of each other almost at one of their home stadiums in the postseason, right? And just. Put it overseas because, for one, one of those t- cities is going to get that game anyways again. And you're guaranteed a competitive, really solid game. And even if it's not, you've got some of the best players in the game on the field for the foreign fans to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. So, I'm just a dumb, stupid idiot. And Roger Goodell is obviously a, re- a genius. So, you know. Yeah, that... Uh that script worked out really well for us, so. Yeah, as long as he's writing the scripts, I'm pretty good because he seems to really favor Yeah. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But that's okay. The Chiefs, um this is the Chiefs schedule at the end of the Well, like year. the final five weeks. Uh yeah, sorry, I thought I found it, but it was just somebody's I know for a fact that one of our games is the Bengals. Uh, it's like the second oh, to the, last it's, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I New do, Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is that. I do have a little game. bit of issue with that just because, again, like I mentioned, like odds are we're probably going to have to play that team or one of the other one. Like, like that's a team that we very might, well may have to face like two weeks after that. And yeah. It's like, here's, okay, guys. Here's like, the full Here's the full thing. Here's the full thing. We start off with the Lions, Jaguars, Bears, and the Jets. And uh, that's a pretty good pretty I good like start. that beginning because yeah. it gets you a – there's nobody that's like fuck. We like that's a 
you get an interesting playoff rematch right in the first two weeks and then you get the new york jets you get a couple really solid you get a really solid offense and really solid defense yeah and i my opinion i think that i think the chiefs are going to beat the jets in that week four solely because i'm one of the ones that thinks that it might take a little time for the jets to gel with aaron Rodgers. i think that he's got a lot of good i i'm not sold on that being a good move for them i well it's not that I think that Aaron Rodgers is bad. I just think that you saying Aaron Rodgers is the savior for this is such a bad idea. Like he was literally he literally went on a darkness retreat to go and and was eating food really slowly to make sure that he was digesting everything and like making sure he was enjoying everything about life. Like I'm like, "Okay, I you do what you want and whatever you feel you need to do, but like, hey, are you going to show up for <laughs> for like OTAs and like be there and contribute to this young team because you can't just show up like you used to do with the Packers like 2 weeks before training camp starts and be like okay fine let's do this. No, you you've got to put in the work. Right. And actually work with this team cuz they're stupid young. They're good, but they're really young and they are a quarterback away. So you have to play well. Right. In order for this to work, because if you don't play well, then they are gonna just be the organization is gonna be fucked. Seriously, right? right. They just are. Which I don't they kind of are, but yeah. But anyway, this is the Chiefs at the the Chiefs schedule at the end of the year. Right after they go on by, then they play Monday night against the Eagles Super Bowl match, Super Bowl rematch: Raiders, Packers, Bills, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. So and from all reports, we like the Chargers are going to be good again, and I believe that. Wait, that so is, they got the Bengals and Bills back to back? No, they've got Bills, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. Oh, okay. I still think that's really tough to end the year. I think you no, know, yeah. I I mean, here's the thing. I will say, from a holistic perspective, our schedule is one of the easier ones this season. Um, the winning percentage of the teams that we play this mm, year from last yeah. season, the winning percentage, Matt. That's not just an opinion. The winning percentage of the teams that we played this year from their schedules last year is like 25th in the league. Um, I still think everybody's getting better, though, man. Right. I think that there's everybody's a couple teams better. that could make a pretty big jump. For example, like the Jets missed out on the playoffs this year, and I think that they could take a really solid jump. They could. The Jets could win that division this year. It's a tough. That division's really up for grabs this year. I don't think they will because, yeah, frankly, I think Buffalo and the Dolphins both have a head start on them in terms of chemistry and um, coaching. Mm-hmm. But uh, that division's really up for grabs. Um, you know, the Lions are our first game of the season, and I think they could make a really big jump. They just missed. Uh, they just missed the playoffs, uh, and, and you know, I, I just there are multiple teams that could definitely take a big jump there uh but that being said there are four five games that i'm trying to think of that could definitely definitely prove to be kind of throwaway games the bears i don't think i'm super scared of you mentioned the packers there at the end and like the packers are solid I guess I mean like they're one of those teams that I think I trust to have a bunch of guys that don't really do 
anything crazy good and still put a com- competent and like complete roster on the field, but they're in a huge, um, a, just a, just a crazy big, you know, era of change with Aaron Rodgers not being in there. Um, I mean, yeah, the AFC, the NFC North being the division that we play definitely helps our, our, what's the word? Difficulty. I guess. Yeah, just because um, the Bears were just not that good. Right. I but but like I said, the point being after all of that rambling is just that like I, I think I that went to the bathroom, sorry. I think that. that there are aspects of our schedule that are there are teams that didn't play super awesome last year and could get better, but there are also a lot of teams that I think might take steps back this year. Yeah, I I um, do agree. The back the, the back of it is back loaded for sure. Yeah. Um but I mean like I don't. I don't know. I couldn't even begin to guess how the Raiders are going to play this year, right? And we play them twice there. Yeah, I. I think that one of the things you really got to think about if you're talking about the NFL playoffs just in general, and you can run all of the, all the freaking media this this week has been, oh well, the past few years, a lot of playoff teams make the playoffs that weren't playoffs teams the year before, and so who's that going to be this year? And I'm like, I don't know. The AFC specifically, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I don't know who. You can say people make the playoffs and the like. This there's a lot of people saying the Steelers are a sexy pick, or like the Jets, of course, because Aaron Rodgers. But like, who replaces them? Like, you have the Chargers, Ravens, and the. Chargers, Ravens, and oh god, who was the seven seed last year? Good God, um, is seven the lowest? Yeah, Jaguars. No, they were f- the four because they won the division. Did but, the Jaguars win the division? Yeah, they won their division. So now I'm trying to think of just uh, great. Uh, it wasn't oh, the Browns. It was not the, Chargers. the Steelers. It was the Chargers were the five. I don't know who the seven were. They? Was. Yeah, because they played the Jags because they were the five seed. Who played the Bills? Oh, the Dolphins. Yeah. And the Dolphins are a good team. I mean, the Dolphins are the one team that you can maybe say, oh. Dolphins would have beat Bills if they had Tua in that game. That's honestly. Skylar Thompson had them in that game. Yeah. It, yeah. I can't believe I just had a big brain fart like that. But still, the point is, is that who replaces those teams? I mean, the Dolphins, if Tua is relatively healthy, I mean, he led the league in passer rating last year. He was really, really good. And he's he's got that track team of receivers that he's throwing I, to. I worry a bit about their defense. Yeah, um, I I do too. But, but Vic Fangio, the last like three years, I mean, their defense has played way better than I ever thought they would going into this right into this beginning of the season. Um, like I said, I, the East is super up for grabs. I think that the Jets, if they really gel, just because their defense is great, they only need a mediocre offense to probably like lock in a playoff spot, let alone the division. The Bills, I are gonna be good, but there's a lot of question marks with them. Just because I don't know how well their draft really meshes with what their team needs actually were. And they have some pretty big question marks in some pretty big spots. Um, either because of injury last year, and I don't know how well guys will bounce back from that, or people not coming back to the team. Um, and then, like you said, the Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins look like they could have the best offense in the NFL possibly next year. And... 
their defense is usually pretty solid. They have a pretty great secondary. I just don't know what their pass rush looks like, really. I mean, Bradley Chubb's there. I mean, Jalen Phillips oh, I is there. Bradley Chubb was there now. I mean, it, but their interior doesn't look as doesn't on the defensive side. The interior defensive line does not look great. Christian Wilkins, I think, is still or no, he signed somewhere else. But yeah, it, the Dolphins are an interesting case because yeah, the the defense was the problem. Yeah, but I think this, I don't know this season a lot like last season is going to be another one where the level of or, or the gap of um, talent level isn't going to be as big as it has been in recent years. I think that's... Because, I, I mean, like last year, last year there was maybe three teams that were like considered out of it by like week 12, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, usually by week 12, you can usually pick out, like, the bottom team in every division and maybe a couple more that you're just like, yeah, definitely not going to the playoffs this year. Well, and that's the biggest but thing. But last year, it was, I mean, it was, there was, last year, there was, like, two divisions that were, that had, like, three teams battling it out to be the team that won it. Yeah. Going I, into the last, like, <clears throat> three weeks. Yeah, I, I know. I, I think that, uh, I think that everything's just getting way more competitive and we don't even of course we don't know what's going to happen with any of these rookie quarterbacks too i mean who knows what's going to happen with cj stroud and anthony richardson right if they become a force themselves Shit, who knows bryce young i mean like he's not set in stone and it's not like the panthers yeah. have really done that much to set him up for and, success and right uh, a little bit, but I mean, shit. But they their traded coaching away their best staff, receiver. their coaching staff is really good. Like, coach, I mean, yeah, Frank Reich. But they're also all of those guys are also in a transitional period. Like, yeah, no, it's their first year. I'm not saying that it's not. Every, it's everybody's first year in Carolina. Like we said the same thing about um, Sala up in New York, and I mean, yeah. he missed the playoffs with a pretty talented team. You know, like with somebody who was a geriatric at quarterback. The quarterback wasn't great but like the defense was the best one in the league well he was he was great off the field on the field zach wilson was not good right yeah <laughs> he definitely was a winner off the field yeah yeah he he definitely speaking of mother's day being this last week yeah this last weekend it was zach wilson's favorite day um <laughs> shit it's my favorite day <laughs> everybody's posting all these pictures of their moms for free like come on what are we doing you know <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I think that there's there's a lot of questions. I, I think with any rookie, um, any rookie quarterback, there's always gonna be questions. You can, it's there's never a guarantee. Um, and this year, I think the biggest storyline of the, the league again is gonna be just like last year is like who who is going to be the team that takes this? Because I mean, like the Chiefs for a majority of the season, everybody was like, yeah, they're I mean they're gonna make the playoffs, they're gonna be good, but they're not the Super Bowl winner. Because everybody was had a hard on for the Bills, and the Bengals for God's sake. I mean, the Bengals started off ass, but I mean, like by the end of the season, I thought the Bengals were probably going to be the team that that won the Super Bowl going into like week. 14 yeah, they had last that really, year. really, really good stretch at the end of the season, and if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes' ring, not just the end, they in. I think they don't think they didn't lose a game after like week five. Like they started off the season like like two and three or something like that. And then literally didn't lose again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. No, they they had a crazy stretch. I don't know what the stretch was, but yeah, their their end of the season was very good. Like I remember, they started off really bad. Had like at one point where they were like 
five or six weeks into the season and were like at 500 or right below it and then didn't lose again. Yeah. Like so so yeah, it it'll be it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be again one of those years where where it could be a, it's going to be a whoever comes in and plays their best game. There's going to be like three or four teams where it's like, yeah, that team could win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of when they play the other teams that could win the Super Bowl, who plays their best game. And and that's another thing too is like one thing that the Chiefs have been dealing with for a while and the reason why teams like the Colts beat them yeah is because everybody everybody gives you their best shot. Right. If and that's, but that's always going to be the case. <clears throat> yeah, always going to be the case. I mm, I I think you are you have that that mark on your back if you've won if you've won the Super Bowl more than twice in the past five years, right? You, you're the elite of the league, and people are going to want to beat you. It's not just like, okay, yeah, let's win this game for us, guys. No, let's go take out this this best team in the league. You're gonna have you're gonna have people headhunting you, and uh, that's why you lose to games to the Colts because you underestimate them and do whatever. But, 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 yeah, I. I think that's going to be the tough thing for the Chiefs this year too, but we'll transition into uh, America's favorite segment. Probably a good idea. Drop the ball. Yeah. Um, it was a slow week. It was a slow week. It's a slow week in sports in general. I mean, you could you could take uh, people saying Steph Curry's better than LeBron James. I have heard that this week. Like Steph He's Curry replacing LeBron James like on the Mount Rushmore of – Didn't LeBron just beat him in the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Just checking in. <laughs> Thought I missed something. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't play it. We don't pay attention to enough bas- basketball, NBA basketball here on Drop the Ball. But uh, Kansas City might be getting a hockey team. I guess that's that's a one little oh, thing really? that uh, an NHL team. It's like unofficially not okay. So here's the thing: the Arizona Coyotes or Phoenix Coyotes is what they're called now. Uh, Phoenix Coyotes apparently they put their this bill into their government and all of the voters said no they didn't want them to like build a new sports complex so apparently they're trying to leave and apparently kansas city is on that very short list that and houston kansas city or houston are on the list for an Fox nh houston for an nhl team texas sucks come to kansas city yeah but we wouldn't get an nba team for a long time i don't think if we got if we if got, we got an, an nhl team, team we would not be getting an NBA team ever i don't think you don't think no we get one or the other um, I'd prefer NBA, but I'll Me take too. NHL. I both are sports that I don't inherently want go my way to watch now, and I probably would if we had a team. Yeah, I don't know. It, I'd find a way to fun. enjoy it. So I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh, drop the ball. Do you have one, or do you want me to go? Go first? ahead first. I think I have one, but I at least have one I can fall back on. Well, here's here's the thing that I will say. I I think that there's there is one thing specifically. Our good friend. Uh, we love Ryan Lefevre here on Drop the Ball. He's a homie for real. But uh, but we we do need to bring up one thing that he said on the Brewers broadcast, which it's a little bit of the Drop the Ball. But uh, yeah, here 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 is Ryan Lefevre on the broadcast a couple of days ago. There you go. That's Salvador Perez Bro. rubbing it out and pounding it out Bro. live on the field, guys. Dude. You know how it is. You can't. I feel like him and Rex have both, like, pretty consistently. I mean, just... Rex 
I don't know. Rex is the one that was like, yeah, that's a beautiful planet in now, reference to the moon. To, so, be fair, uh, to be fair, baseball itself lends itself to a lot of like really like sexually charged sayings. Lay that wood, boy. Yeah. Okay. Go get that wood on some ball. Find some grass. Like, come on. Yeah, I got you. You know, like it lends itself already. Like for some reason, the way that the language developed. That, but yeah. rub it out and pound it out. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, that's not... <laughs> Saying that live on a broadcast, almost as bad as misremembering what the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is almost called. Almost as bad as actually just saying the N-word on <laughs> air. Yeah. Almost. Not almost quite. as bad, hard R N-word on air. Well, that's not the drop the ball this week. That that's is not, not the drop the ball this week. That mine, happened a couple yeah, weeks ago. That just happened. Like a week and a half ago. No, the Brewer series? No, that was literally two days ago. Was that the Brewer? No, that was the A's. The A's. Dude. That was a couple was weeks ago. But anyway, yeah. the the video clip was from the Brewers. The, my yeah, drop Ryan Lefevre was the Brewers. Yeah, my actual drop the ball is John Morant. If you're paying attention in the sports world at all. Oh, I have I have an opinion about that if uh, we want to have a little combo about it. John Morant had, went on Instagram Live or somebody was Instagram Living and he shows up with another with a gun in his hand. And it's like, dude, you literally have so you have two different occurrences of pe- like, Bro, this happened once. Yeah. And it's like he is a star in the NBA, and he's a great NBA player. But holy hell, dude, you got, you have got to figure this out and stop just like throwing away, like walking around with a gun. That I I mean I I don't know how it's whatever or how you want to say it. But if you have problems with guns in the past and you were just you just have one and you're showing it off on Instagram Live, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that there's something right. not good right up so here's <laughs> here's my opinion of the whole thing is it dumb for me flashing a gun around on instagram yes um but the whole like reaction and like him getting actually in trouble for it there's just a really weird air about it that really kind of just it gives me bad vibes like and i'm not saying that like it's not dumb right like this absolutely is a drop the ball worthy thing um but like we this is like we live in america right yeah it's league it is a constitutional right to own weapons right yeah it is um i have actively seen pictures of athletes that they post themselves of them like going hunting and holding their guns. Mm-hmm. Chipper Jones famously hunts in Kansas. Um, probably has posted a picture of him holding a gun. Yeah, no, it. I think it's perfectly fine with people posting that they have a gun, but I think that it's right. And so, like, it's celebrating I'm, it. No, and I'm not just saying pulling it out. Right, to I'm not saying it's. I'm not like, saying um, that it's dumb. That it isn't dumb that he's waving a gun around in the air. I frankly I don't see much reason for people to own them per, like personally just in general like maybe one for protection sure depending on where you live maybe one's to hunt sure if that's a hobby for you you know but like sparing instances where I think someone needs to be having a gun on them yeah and anywhere I th- outside of like in a field hunting or like at home near their bed or something I yeah I would um, I would agree with you but I think with the the things we've already seen with John Morant and having the problems off the field, right? Yeah. Shooting at 
possible people for getting close to him. That and was which I don't that I don't know if that was ever confirmed, was it? Or was that like was that He definitely actual... served a suspension for it. I don't right. know if that was But people have served suspension for like bringing basically like bad publicity before, you know, whether or not like basically being in the place where like it could have happened, like putting themselves in that situation where it could have happened, yeah. you know. It's just like I don't know it kind of it just gives me a really weird vibe because of where we are as a country without getting too political that a guy is getting punished for inherently owning a gun you know yeah. like i've i have i i i feel like i have seen like the chiefs for example anthony sherman who's not on the team anymore i saw that dude post pictures of him holding like assault rifles mm-hmm. And wearing like tactical gear for what reason he needs to own that, I don't know, but it's not my business, frankly. Um, you think it's a little racially charged? I think that there is a bit of a <laughs> backdrop of that going on here. I feel like that is just kind of like, I don't know, man. Seems a little bit icky that we are suspending a dude for owning a gun. Was he. Was it dumb as fuck for him to have be in a video and like, yeah, I'm flashing this around in my front of my face. I'm dancing with a gun. Why the fuck are you dancing with a gun? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, is that dumb? Absolutely. But it's also well within his right as a American to own that gun. And yeah. like, it is also well within the NBA and his teams, his employer's right to punish him for what he posts on social media, blah, blah, blah. I could get punished for whatever Saying i do. i hate you know, starbucks i, I yeah. could get fired for going on twitter and posting a gun and being like fuck starbucks you know but <laughs> I, I i hey that might actually be like i could, I could get arrested more, for that actually probably so yeah. you know like i but yeah i just i wanted to say that because i did actually like i did kind of have this whole like inner monologue about it myself where i was like mm. i was like hmm man i don't know i've seen athletes post guns before and I don't think I've ever seen a white one get in trouble for that, but different contexts and um, probably less history of uh, gun violence in those people's backgrounds as well. Yeah, I'm not to shit on yeah. you or drop the ball. It's a good no, drop the okay. ball. He definitely, he definitely needs to stop fucking waving guns around in front of his face <laughs> online. That's definitely something he probably just needs to maybe. Ixnay on, you know. But uh, move it on to you. What are you thinking for your drop? Um, so I honestly, like I said, slow week. Uh, I wanted to drop back in on our friend Trevor Bauer. Fuck him. Um, I used him last week, and he has since had another start. Um, that dude went two innings and gave up eight hits and seven earned runs. That's how you do it, if you didn't know. On 69 pitches. Like... <laughs> Oh my God, how are you that bad at pitching a baseball? I mean, like, obviously I would do worse, but like, I just think that it's really, really awesome that a dude who talked so much shit about how he was too good to not be picked up as a free agent in America, like, I'm, I'm only not getting picked up because I'm getting canceled. Like, I'm too good of a pitcher to not be picked up as a free agent right now. To immediately go over to the Korean or the Japanese baseball league and just pitch, like, um, dog shit is awesome. 
even considering that there was another team also in the Japanese league that was like, yeah, we're not going to fucking sign you because you're literally just a media liability. Like you bring us absolutely no benefit whatsoever as a team. Like you're not good enough to be worth it. <clears throat> yeah. Frankly, I think his attitude was already bad enough that it wasn't good enough to be worth it before he punched a woman. Um, but that's just me. Maybe because I watched live him throw a baseball over the center field wall because someone pissed him off. He he has lapse in judgment. Yeah, I would say. He's just not a good person, and it makes yeah. me really happy to see him struggle. That's a, what we do. That's what we do here on Drop the Ball. That's the whole point of the, of the, of the, uh, the segment. I think for the most part, Schadenfreude, man. Yeah, I was just gonna say, just like we just like t- we relish in other people fucking up. German for happiness at the misfortune of others. No, sometimes we do just use it to get angry. Yeah, you know. And but to which somebody does say happiness at the misfortune of others. That is German. That is German as hell. <laughs> as hell. Anyway, um, that I think wraps up our episode. Yeah, which is crazy. We're under an hour for like we're maybe under the an first hour for the first time. We also started this at twelve. So, yeah. Um, lessons learned. Learn to call off someone in the outfield if you're a professional. Is this what player. we're gonna do at the end of every every episode? No, break down. Learn our right? lessons. Lessons. How learned. to not drop the ball. Lessons, drop the ball. Yeah, lessons learned. Um, don't take your early season for granted if you're the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, if you have a gun, keep it away from your face and keep it away from cameras. Yeah. Um, and don't talk a lot of shit if you can't back it up. You know. I feel like we're teaching some legitimate, really ro- good life lessons. Yeah, yeah. Now I feel like I shouldn't have to teach anybody not to fucking wave a gun around in front of their face. If I ever owned a gun, Sometimes I would be to, never though. putting that thing near my face ever in like any instance whatsoever. Yeah, because then. Maybe something. Oh, never mind. What are you gonna know? Nope. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I'm good. I just think that, uh, yeah, if you're not safe with those kind of things, then uh, something right, something like somebody who imitated Donald Trump will happen, and uh, that is not a good thing. You don't know who I'm talking about. No, Thirty Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Good, good. I mean, good news for him is he wasn't pointing at himself, but yeah, good. Bad news for the other person, he was pointing it at somebody. Yeah. Um. Exactly. So yeah, gun safety. Yeah. Lessons learned. Gun safety. Safety first. Safety last. Safety always. Exactly. Wrap it for you. What? Um. <laughs> so. No. No. Finish it, dude. We teach all forms of safety on this podcast. Yeah. Wrap it before you tap it, folks. Yeah. STD prevention. Yeah. On drop the ball. When your balls are dropping. We need a Roman sponsorship. I was trying to I was trying so to keep, I was trying to come up with like a really cool like slogan. When your balls are dropping, STDs dot, be popping. Wrap it up, keep it safe. www. You wouldn't commit a crime. You wouldn't steal a car. Okay. Anyway, um that's this week's episode of Drop Yeah, this the Ball. is where we get manic at the end of the episode. It's 1 o'clock it's in the morning, morning, so we're just on a different plane right now. Exactly. Okay, well, uh, that'll wrap it up. Until next time, don't let the ball go between two defenders. Don't wave a gun. You know how it is. And most of all, don't drop the ball. Mm-hmm.